This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. We're talking about patience today. Can everyone say patience? All right, yeah, patience, yeah, okay. You know, L.A. County, uh, patience is not just a virtue, it's a necessity, right? Uh, We all got to have a little bit of patience here, and uh, some of you commute, and man, you have have a lot of patience, Uh, but today we're in in, uh, James chapter 5, this is the second to last week, uh, James 5, and we're we're certainly uh, thankful for the study, it's been great, and I want to remind you at the very beginning after he said, you know, to the Jews scattered abroad, he said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse, different temptations, different trials, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work. Someone asked, Pastor, why is it her? Let patience have her perfect work. And uh, in the first service, I said, it's because you're always waiting on her. But I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, I don't want to read into the text or not. And uh, I was hoping Danielle would be here. I think she slipped over to kids. Uh, so uh, <clears throat> missed the bullet on that one, second service, which is a blessing. We, we want to tie where it says, let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect entire, wanting nothing, wanting nothing, to James chapter 4 and verse 17, where it says, him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him to sin. We studied that last week. The reality and the key thought as we begin, just in way of introduction, that we often withhold good from others because deep down inside, we feel that God somehow has withheld good from us. And so when we think of the good things that God has given to us, we need to kind of put some of those good things into context. And that's what James covers in the first four verses. And he gives kind of some truths about wealth and about riches and about money. He says, uh, first, wealth is relative. Really, we're all rich when we come to think of uh, the, the poverty in uh, 90% of the world, and money is a magnificent tool. Uh, money is a, is a great thing. It's not an evil thing. The love of money is the root of all evil, but not money, and, and, but it's a terrible master and a horrible motive. And so the word rich just means to have different priorities, to have differing viewpoints, and a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, uh, James says in James 1.8. And so it says, go to now, rich man, like, hey, pay attention, rich man, Weep, how for your miseries shall come upon you. Wait a second, is it saying that if you have money, you're going to have miseries? Well, kind of, but it's saying that if you love money, if money is your number one motive, it'll bring a lot of misery. In fact, he, he goes on to say, if this is what you're trusting in, your riches are corrupted, your garments are moth-eaten, gold and silver are can- cankered, and, which means rusted, and your rust, which actually means poisonous, uh, shall, shall be a witness against you, and they shall eat your flesh with fire. And that's, that's really tough language. So he's basically saying, listen, if you're putting your trust in treasures, that's not going to help you in the judgment day. Because he says in verse number three, you have heaped treasures together for the last days. And these last days are, are important times. Uh, these last days are, are times that, uh, that I believe that every group of Christians throughout the centuries have always looked to uh, their day as the last day. So the question is, is the abundance... Is having abundance of resources wrong? No. But when an abundance has you, when it's gripped you, that's wrong. 
And so he says in verse number four, Behold, the hire of the laborers have reaped down your fields, and you've kept back by fraud, meaning you, they reaped your fields, and you didn't pay them a fair wage. They're crying, and their cries have come uh, to the ears of the Lord, it says. And God knows that there's pressures, and, and so wealth is relative. Then he says wealth is temporary, and then he talks about how wealth can ultimately bring pressure. And I talk to people, and some people who have time want more money. Some people who have money want more time. And some people who have a lot of time and money just want more of both. And so we all want something. We all want more. But I want to illustrate the pressures. Pastors have been doing uh, this type of illustration for a while. I'm going to grab this box here. And uh, this box represents your pressures. And, um, you know, pressures are not bad. Did you know that? Pressures are not bad. Jesus was under pressure. Everyone has pressures. All of us brought pressures into this. Pressures from work. Pressures from, uh, from past mistakes, maybe. Pressures, financial pressures. Pressures in relationships. Uh, pressures because of uh, things that are going on around you that you can't control. Pressures because there are some things you can control, right? So we all have pressures. And, uh, and many of you, I'm praying for your businesses and praying for uh, the pressures that you have. And, and, it's, and it's my honor to enter into you and pray for those pressures. Pressures are not wrong. But worry is. You see, worry is dealing with your pressure the wrong way. Worry is dealing with your pressure without God. And when you start to worry and when you start to have anxiety, it's, it's, a, rele- it's a revelation that your worries are bigger than your God. And, and God Almighty wants to come into your life and say, listen, my, 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 my grace is sufficient for you. Uh, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Let me, let me help you with your pressure so it doesn't turn into worry. Now, we look at this scripture and, and, and we say, how does that happen? Well, I put some verses in your notes. If you want to look in your notes, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He says in verse 29 that you will have rest, you will find rest in your souls. You know, there's a lot of people seeking rest in their soul, but they're seeking rest the wrong way. And there's a lot of people who, who, who find themselves hopeless because everything they've tried to fill themselves up with has left them feeling more empty than when they first began. And so Andrew Carnegie said this, one of the most wealthy people of yesteryear, he said this, Rare is the rich man with a genuine smile because power and possessions have a way of heaping more pressure than happiness can hold. I think we have a picture of Andrew Carnegie, you know, uh, he, he had a little wry smile on his face, but, but Andrew Carnegie knew something that the Bible taught, and that is that riches can often bring more pressure and more difficulty in our life. And in order to handle that pressure, in order to understand the pressure that we have, we need to define it the way that God defines it. Now, in verse number four, continue reading, because it says, And the cities of them, which, and the cries of them which have reaped and have entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Now, there, now, this isn't Sabbath, as, as, as you might think. It's Sabaoth, which, which literally means um, to, to, to be a great host. It's where we get the phrase angel army. Uh, that's the Hebrew word Sabaoth, or Sabaoth. And, and it literally means the Almighty. It's the, the word for the Almighty. 
And so what, what, what we need to understand is we cannot necessarily run from our problems. We need to address them. And a lot of times the way we address them is say, okay, well, I know 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your cares upon him for he careth for you. And, and, and so the, the age-old illustration is you have to take your pressures and your worries and you have to place them on God. And, and where patience comes into play is that oftentimes we cast our care upon the Lord in the morning. And on the way to work, you know, everyone's going 60 miles an hour down the 405. And then how come it is that they all of a sudden just decide to lock up their brakes? Have you noticed that out here? On the 5 or a 14, you'll be going, you know, just fine. And then everyone just decides, boom, we're going to slam on our brakes. And hopefully no one hits someone else. I mean, it, it's, it, you know, the frustration starts to come. And then, and then you get a call from a, a relative. And then you get a text from a coworker, And then your boss is being, you know, irresponsible or whatnot. And now all the pressures. And now you, you're like, God, I put that worry on you. But you know what? You haven't done anything. And so I'm going to go ahead and take it back. And I'm going to actually deal with it my own way. And so we have this propensity to put our worries and our pressures on God, and then when the pressure starts to well up, we take it back. And the only way to deal with your pressure is not to run with it. You see, if I get farther away from this worry and this pressure, it might look smaller, but it's still the same size. And so the only way to do it is to have uh, to, to, to shrink your worries and your pressures and to make your God Almighty bigger. You have to get closer to your God than you are to your pressures. you got to get closer to your God so that when you give Him the worries, you actually trust Him with it. And so we cast our care upon Him because He cares for us. See, my internal harmony, we always talk about that, man, self-care, internal harmony, and how can I feel at peace with myself and all of that. The reality is I will never feel at peace with myself if I'm not at peace with God. And if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will always be, as the psalmist said, disquieted within you. Meaning there's a raging storm inside of you that you can never uh, stop because you're constantly against who made you. Jesus made you. You say, well, it's in the beginning God. Yes, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth with his word. Jesus was known as the word. And, and the spirit moved upon the face of the dirt, deep. The, 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 the dirt that was, that was picked up and created you, we were all created out of the dust. That creation was an act of God through Jesus Christ. And your recreation, your new birth, the, the new life that you give, our name is new life. The new life you have in Jesus Christ comes because he died for you. He paid the penalty that you uh, owed on the cross of Jesus Christ. And it's not religion as we've been talking about on Wednesday nights. It's not religion that can save you. It's Jesus alone who can save you. We cannot deal with our sin by ourselves. And so we got this pressure, and so once we've received Jesus as our Savior, how many of you know the pressures don't go away? You're like, wait a second, I'm a Christian now, I'm, I'm God's child, man, these, 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 these pressures st still shouldn't be there. They might be smaller because I'm getting to Jesus, but I mean, they're still there. How do we deal with that? Well, the question just has to be asked, do you view God the way that the Bible tells us to view God, and do you view your pressures and your worries the way God does? How do you view God, and how do you view your pressures? How do you view your worries? And so when James says, let patience have her perfect work, 
wanting nothing. He's saying there, there needs to be a process of getting closer to God and further away from our worries. Now, the takeaway before we dive in is, is this. Just in, in, as right before we get into this, I want to I tell you that, that patience is always about perspective. Can we say that together? Patience is always about perspective. The key to patience is perspective. And, and if we have the perspective that God has on the situation, it, it does not remove our pressures, but it contextualizes them. It shows us what we're dealing with. And so all of us brought pressure into the room. But if we leave this room understanding who God is and the grace that he gives to us, everything starts to look a little bit differently. We started uh, this pandemic, and uh, I remember getting the call from uh, the school, the Palmdale School District. We could no longer meet at David G. Millen. And so we were, you know, just like every other church, trying to scramble. And, and man, I was so thankful for Juan and all of the, the team doing such a phenomenal job getting us... And we noticed the first couple weeks, and some of you were watching, it kind of lagged a little bit, and I was kind of doing the robot, you know, online, and, and we were, you were texting, you know, hey, we can't see church, we, were, we tried to log on and whatever, so we immediately knew that my house internet needed to be upgraded. So I called, and I'm like, oh, you know, give me the fastest internet you could possibly give me, like just streaming fast, like as fast as you can get. And I said, are you sure? I'm like, yes, bring it on. So it was fast, and, and, and we were so, so thankful, and we, uh, we, we then moved in here, and, and uh, we, we no longer had to uh, pay those bills because the, the, the internet was fast, but the bills were coming in fast too, and, uh, and so we thought, you know what, we, we could go back down to our normal speed, and uh, both my boys and even my wife and myself were like, this is so slow, internet's so slow. And, and, and even Chandler, he goes, Dad, I think this is the slowest internet in our city. <laughs> you know what brought me back to being a teenager? When I had to go online to check my Peter Mord at Juno.com. And you had to hear this noise, right? You log on. Some of you have never heard this sound. I want you to just soak it in. This is what we had to do way back when, before high-speed internet. This is called dial-up, folks. Yeah. That's what you had. This is before one email, before you could check. And listen, sometimes things would shut down, and you'd have to hear this sound. You'd have to wait 47 days and then hear this sound. Yeah. And hopefully, after like three hours, you could check one email. Right? And so when you think about that in perspective, you're like, well, you know what? Actually, my emails are going through, okay? It's not as fast as I, it was a couple months ago, but listen, I can have some patience. You put things into perspective. And so there's three truths about God's pathway to patience. Number one, let's look at impatience. Impatience uh, leaves us with this, with this empty feeling in our heart. It's impatience. Uh, is empty and wasteful. Look at verse number five. We're just going verse by verse through James. James 5 says, Ye have lived in pleasure on earth. You say, what's wrong with that? Well, it says, and been wanton. Wanton is, is, is doing everything you can to fill yourself with what's around you instead of with what God made you to be full with, of. Ye have nourished your hearts. Well, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you've nourished your, your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned the, and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. So he's like, 
You'll run over anyone to get what you want. Oh, that's rough. You ever meet someone that's so impatient, they just want something and they want it now? I want it now, right? And so, and so oftentimes when we do not receive God's good gifts, we say, God, why are you having me wait? Because waiting is hard. I mean, it's hard enough waiting in traffic and waiting for, you know, someone else to, to, to send you what you need so you can work on what you, you know, it's hard enough waiting for this pandemic. When will the schools open up? When will we get a vaccine? What's go How long are we going to have to wait? God says waiting is only wasteful or only feels wasteful when you don't know the purpose for waiting. I remember I was moving into our, the house that we have, and we, we, we bought a fixer-upper, and, and uh, I was, I was uh, losing the fixer-upper battle big time and trying to work hard and, man, uh, long hours, and I and, uh, wasn't taking care of, I wasn't drinking water, I, wasn't, I, was, I was really dehydrated, and, and uh, I didn't know it, but I was, um, I, I, I was uh, vitamin D deficient, and, and some things started happening with my kidneys, and and uh, I had, I had uh, uh, a kidney infection, and, and both my kidneys were locking up, and it was so much pain. And some of you in the medical field, uh, you probably know more about what I was suffering. But, man, it, it felt, they, they, they said the pain that you're experiencing is like passing two kidney stones at once. I'm like, ooh. Uh, so I come in, and, and, and I was, I was I, you know, I collapsed out of pain. I literally could not walk. They're wheeling me in. I feel like such an idiot, you know, and I'm... Um, I'm laying there, and I'm like, just give me something for the pain, because I've never experienced it. the most pain I've ever experienced in my whole entire life. And so I'm, I'm laying there on the bed, and, and these nurses and doctors keep walking by me, and I'm like, I need something for my pain. Like, you know, y y give me the chart, and I'll put it at an 11, you know, whatever you need me to do. And this guy next to me, he's making noise. And I'm going, everyone seems to be focused on him. He's making noise. So subconsciously, I'm like, well, maybe if I make noise... So he's like, and I'm like, Ugh, and he's like, and I'm like, Ugh. it was like a duet of doom, you know, I mean, we're going back and forth, and finally, you know, he's making these noises, and then, and then, you know, on the other side of the sheet, you know, they whip out the defibrillator, and I stop making noise, <laughs> so I realize he's having much worse of a pain, and much worse of a day than I was having, you see, there's certain things that can put your pain into perspective and sometimes when we understand the reason why we are going through a trial and put it into perspective uh, Proverbs 19 says it this way he that hates is with his feet sinneth and the foolish man perverteth his way his heart fretteth against the Lord you see when our heart fretteth against the Lord it's it's saying God I don't need you it's living a day uh, taking everything for myself rather than waiting for his good gifts and so James continue and say, he says you've lived wanton lives you've lived pleasure driven lives you've been impatient and proudful and you've distrusted God's good timing and his good provision and so here's an action item and James is all about action so circle this because instead of wasting energy on worry let's turn our pressures into prayers Let's turn our pressures into prayers. Every time you feel pressure, let that be a reminder that it's time to pray. Every time you feel worry start, and anxiety starting to come over you, realize that's an alarm to pray. That is time to pray. Start to pour out your cares upon him because when you have a big God, your pressures start to get smaller. And so here's a key thought. Waiting is never wasted. 
when we are waiting on the Lord. Let's say that together. Waiting is never wasted when we are waiting on the Lord. God's timing is perfect. His, his, his heart for you is perfect. And even Isaiah 40 said, He giveth power to the faint. To him that have no might, he, instru- he increases strength. To the youth, even they shall faint and be weary. To the young men, they shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of these eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You see, when we walk in our own strength, we will always faint. We will be empty and wasteful. But number two, patience is Christ-focused and fruitful. It is Christ-focused and fruitful. You see, he says in verse number seven, just continuing, verse seven, be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Maybe you've never heard this before, but did you know Jesus said that he would come back and he didn't give us a time or a day? You know, the imminence of the Lord's return is at hand, meaning it's close, it's nigh. It, he, he's, he's coming back at any moment, at any time, and every, every Christian needs to understand that. Every person needs to understand that. And the word patience, when it says be patient, it's a compound word. It's macro, which is the first part, meaning long or extended. And then passion, which is the word uh, thameo, which, which is this word for blowing up or being angry. So it's a long fuse until you're angry. It, it literally was the word they would, this macro themeo was the word that they would use to have a long walk before a fight, to have a long walk before a battle. You had a lot of time to think about it. You had a lot of time to think about what your response was and how you were going to do it. And so patience is just slowing everything down, thinking through what God has given you, focusing on the Lord, the Lord is coming, and then allowing yourself to be as fruitful as God wants you to be. So James 5, 7 continues and says, Behold, the husbandman, or the farmer, waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and have long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. You see, in Israel, they had an early rain in the beginning of the season that would help the soil uh, accept the seed, and then there was a latter rain at the end that would help uh, the crop bear the most fruit, and they would look for those early and those latter rain, and they were waiting for those rains. They were waiting for those storms. They wanted those storms. They were looking for it because they knew that it would produce more fruit. Many times, Waiting is tough. It's a delay. The word wait means to receive a a delay. But planting seasons are full of storms. Planting seasons are full of pressures. And planting seasons can, can yield fruit the more storms that they receive. And so when we are focused on hardship... You know, I, I, I feel like people have been talking so much, oh, this is hard and that is hard. And the, and the more you focus on how hard it is, guess what? It gets harder. The more you focus on, on, on how, what a bummer COVID is, the more it's more of a bummer. But, but God says, get your focus on me. Get your focus on me, the Almighty, and, 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 and don't be weary in well-doing. For in due season ye shall reap if ye faint not. And weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning, David said. And so when we're focused on sowing in the storm and sowing and reaping a harvest, then we're glad for the wait because it's producing more fruit in our life. So here's a key thought, and that is make the most of every season of waiting by turning that season into a sowing season into a season of sowing. You say, I don't know what God's planting. I don't know what he's doing in my life, but I'm just ready to sow some seeds. And I don't know when the harvest is going to be, but I'm willing to wait for 
the harvest. And so he says, be patient. And in verse 8, he says, establish your hearts. Establish your hearts. The word establish means to make stronger. It means to, uh, to, to put the roots a little lower. It means to fix, fixate on the purpose. When he says establish your hearts, he says establish your heart for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Now you think, well, that it, you mean it's getting closer? It wasn't getting closer when James wrote that 2,000 years ago, right? So was it wrong? No. When he says it's drawing nigh, it's exactly the same phrase that's used a couple chapters ago when we said, if you draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. You see, the coming of the Lord, God will show up in your life if you decide to draw closer to him. But if you begrudge others, as it says in verse 9, grudge not one against the other, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge stands at the door. I'll never forget growing up. My dad, he would, he, he would get a call from my mom. And he, my mom would tell him something I did that was wrong. And I will never forget the sound of my dad walking through that door. I mean, you could hear every The door creaked. The door shut. I mean, I, I, could, I was super in tune to it. Why? Because I knew what was going to happen when he walked through that door. You see, we, we, don't, we don't fear God in the sense that he's angry with us because he poured out his wrath on Jesus. But what we do, what we are aware of, is we, we are going to give an account for every word that we've said, every idle word we will give an account for. A every time that we knew to do good and we did it not, that, that we're going to give an account to. And listen, your sins have been paid, but, but your sowing season will be judged. Are you sowing a harvest that you can reap for eternity. And so we focus on Jesus. We focus on him. We run our race with patience. Hebrews 12:1 says, we run that race that is set before us, not the race that's set before our friends, not the race that's set to the person next to us or above us or around us. No, we run the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, Jesus, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. There are a lot of people fainting in their minds because they're not looking unto Jesus. And so here's an action item. Stop comparing yourselves to those, we, we need to stop comparing ourselves to those around us. Whatever race they're running, and what, you know, they're ahead in this area, or they have something we don't, or, or why did that happen to them, or why did, why, did, why did this happen to me and not to them, right? And so we got to stop comparing ourselves amongst ourselves and start comparing our calamities to the cross of Christ. Re the reality is Jesus took on pressure for you. He took on the, 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 the thing that you're holding, your burden, uh, your trial, and he wants to carry it with you. And so in patience, it's wasteful and it's empty. Uh, patience, though, is Christ-focused and fruitful. But finally, and then we're finished, number three, endurance is spirit-filled and durable. It's durable. It lasts and in verse number 10, it says, take, my brethren, the prophets. So take, for example, the prophets, he says. The prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. 
and have heard of the patience, the same word for endurance, is different than patience, the patience or the endurance of Job. Job was persecuted. Read the book of Job. We got a Job in here today. I mean, look at that. Uh, Job uh, endured having seen the end of the Lord. And then it says that the Lord is very, what's the next word? Pitiful. Now, we use that in a very negative context, like, oh, that's pitiful. <laughs> but when, when the Bible says that God, the Lord, is very pitiful, that's actually a very good thing, and he's tender mercy. Now, the word endure obviously means uh, to, to patiently remain, and to have remained, it, it's, the, it's the compound word hypo, which means power, and then mino, which means abide, the power to abide, which I love that word. But, but, but I want you to notice that, that James is pointing us to, to a sufficiency in Jesus Christ and, and the fact that the Lord is very pitiful. Now, the word pitiful, it, it's, it's this interesting word. Polis is the, is the first part of the word. And then spakadnas is the last part of the word. And it's where we get the word sponge. And, and, and I studied this out. You studied it out yourself. But it means very compassionate. It means full of sympathy or empathy. But it means a sponge of tears. A sponge of tears. And, and so what it's saying is the Lord is very, very pitiful. And, and, and when it looks like it's raining on you and there's water, you know, drenching everything you're trying to start up. And, and, and when it rains, it what? It pours. And, and you feel like, man, I can't, I can't get a break. I mean, much, much less, you know, uh, get ahead. I can't even get a break. And, and you feel like everything around you is, is, is just pouring rain. And you can't get ahead. And what James is saying is there's a God in heaven who's very pitiful, which means he's full of tears. But he's not just full of tears for no purpose. He's full of tears because of your tears. He is full of passion and compassion for what you're experiencing. And as David says it in Psalm 56, he says, when I cry, then my enemies shall turn back. This I know, for God is for me. But the verse before he says, put thou my tears in thy bottle. Did you know every tear you've ever cried, God has in a bottle? You know, God takes note when you cry. You know, Jesus cried. You know, he's full of compassion. He's full of mercy. And when we sow in tears, we will one day reap in joy. And some of you have gone through difficult trials. And I look out and, and, and the amount of trials are staggering. Some of you have lost close loved ones. And some of you have gone through incredible difficulties. And I want you to know that there's a God in heaven who's crying with you and who feels the pain you feel and who wants you to understand that there is purpose in your pain and there is, there is strength in this moment, this season of suffering. Because if, if we sow in tears, we will reap in joy. He that goeth forth in weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So I want to encourage you to write down what's taking too long. And I want to encourage you to write that down. And I want you to tell God that you know that in his good time, he will hurry 
to do what is best for you. Now, here's the only way I know how to illustrate this. And if, if, I, um, if I take these plants and I realize that someone planted these as a seed, and these plants will continue to grow, but they only can grow if they are watered. Many times we look at our trials as just these pointless storms that are constantly bringing us down. And God is wanting you to understand that everything that happens to you may not be from him, but it can always be used by him. So I want to encourage you that during these storms, listen, you, you, you might feel like everything's falling apart and like, like life is raining down on you. But I want you to understand that when God is wringing you out through the trial, there is purpose to your pain. He is growing something. And every tear that you cry and every difficulty that you face, if you will have patience, if you will have Holy Spirit-led endurance, if you will understand and lean into the grace of God, no matter how much you are ringed out, no matter how much it feels like God is, is, is allowing the storm to come into your life, my friend, let me tell you, you will look back and you will grow a harvest. There will be something God will do that he will use through that problem, through that pain. You say, but I was the one that caused that pain. I was the one that caused my problems. And I want you to know that God can still grow something out of your mistakes. That God can still bring a fruitful harvest out of your failures. And so here's the takeaway. It is this. A life filled with impatience is always empty and wasteful but a life fueled by patience is always fruitful and durable. God wants to be in your storm, to walk with you through the storm, but we have to be patient because God will never lead you around it. He will always lead you through it. You get closer to him, your problems get smaller, your pressures lessen, the closer you get to him. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.